Welcome to another episode of The Gospelpreneur, where we explore Bible secrets to prospering in wealth, health, relationships, and faith. Your host, Brother Andre, digs deeply into biblical science and practical applications while encouraging growth in all areas of our lives. So if you're ready to grow, let's enjoy this journey to biblical abundance. Here's Brother Andre. Hey, let's just have a word of prayer, just bow our heads, and let's ask our Lord Jesus to be with us as we seek to understand him and his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for your grace and mercy. We want to thank you, Father, for never giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. As we are about to open our Bibles and about to seek to know who you are, we pray, Lord, for a greater clarity of thought and feeling that reflects you. And in these moments and times when the world has lost its mind, when anxiety is peaked because prophecy is being fulfilled, when there are troubles in the home, Lord, you're the only one that can give us peace and wisdom. And you're the only one, Lord, that can save us from ourselves. Please, Lord, teach us to love you now. Pray these things in the name of Jesus and claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. Amen. Okay. Okay. So what we're going to do right now, I am going to, I know what I want to do. So when, when we do a question and answer uh, component, what we're going to do is I'm going to bring everybody on as panelists. Mm -hmm. That way we can talk. But right now, as I'm presenting, please have your questions you know, start getting them together. If you have thoughts that you want to share, you know, start getting those together. And then when we do a question and answer, when we begin our conversation off of the topic, then I will invite everyone to be panelists. Okay, cool. That's what we're going to do because it makes it makes more more sense efficiently wise. Okay, so let me go ahead and go to my presentation screen and go from there. So tonight, we're going to be dealing with the subject matter, learning to love God. Learning to love God, a practical study series anchoring our relationships with God and with each other. Now, my friends, if you don't know how important this is, as far as our walk with the Lord, as far as our relationship with God, if you're not paying attention to the time, and looking at our, I don't know about you, let me just put it this way. You know, when COVID 2020 happened, people started getting crammed in houses, you know, uh, politics, everybody started arguing about everything online. Friendships were broken online. Uh, homes were broken. Uh, uh, divorce rates went up. All these things started to transpire because everybody's looking at the negatives that are transpiring in the world. They're looking at the, the fulfillment of prophecy in the world, but they've lost their focus on the person, Jesus Christ. And my objective over these next 17 uh, uh, studies is to make sure that we anchor ourselves in a love relationship with God. And I'm going to be giving you lesson guides. Now, the lesson guides will show up every Sunday in your email. Every Sunday morning after the presentation, it's going to show up in your email. 
And you're going to be able to go through those lesson guides. And the videos will always be either on the Tacoa website or not the website, Tacoa Facebook page, the YouTube page, which I can give you a, a link to uh, later on in the email. And also you'll find the videos on my personal Facebook page. So you'll see the videos in these different places. You can watch them again. You can do the lesson guides again, but you just want to make sure that you anchor yourself in biblical truth in regards to the person, Jesus Christ. So today, our first lesson, our first lesson, lesson number one, we're looking at manifestations of his love. And I'm, I want to emphasize the idea and emphasize the fact that God shows his love towards us in various ways, and it can be seen. The more I begin to prepare for this, the more my heart began to burn within me because I began to see the love of God in more places than I had seen before. And it's not like I've never read these things before, but now my brain began to categorize and understand and structure them in such a way that where I look, no matter where I look, I can see and experience the love of God. And tonight, as we're going through our study, I want you to make sure that you lock that in for yourself, that there are ways that you can see and experience the love of God for yourself. This is powerful. This is powerful, at least, at least for me, you know, <laughs> at least for me. So let's go to the first point. Let's go to the first point. The love of God can be seen in nature. Now, the love of God can be seen in nature. Now, this is a key important point to make sure you lock in because when you are in this world and you, you are moving about and there's this digital thing and that digital thing and this digital thing, you can miss out on one of the key factors, one of the key points that express the love of God. And you don't want to miss out on any factor when it comes to Jesus. You don't want to miss out on any factor when it comes to the expression of the love of God. And I'm going to go through a, a series of Bible texts. You know some of these already. And let's read. Let's take one of them. Psalms, the book of Psalms, Psalms 19. Psalms 19, and we're looking at verse 1. Psalms 19, and we're looking at verse number 1. And pay close attention to this. And I'm going to ask some questions. You're going to type in the chat. That way we know we're still engaged. You're not taking a nap on me. <laughs> okay? So Psalms 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork day unto day utter speech and night unto night showeth knowledge there is no speech nor in language where their voice is not heard that's powerful their line has gone out throughout all the earth and their words to the ends of the earth in them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. Pause. The heavens declare the glory of God. There is no place on the planet, on the universe, where this glory is not expressed, 
where the voice is not heard. I thought that was so powerful. I want you to think about it. When is the, when is the last time, you know, I, when's the last time you took the time to go out in nature and just sit and meditate on what you're seeing? When's the last time you went out in nature? I know, I know for some of us uh, right now, nature is extremely cold. I mean, I'm up here in the Northeast. I think yesterday was like negative, or day before yesterday was like negative three, wind chill factor, negative 25. You know what I'm saying? So we, we're not hanging out outside. I just saw that as a result of sin. That's when I, when I observed nature that day, I was like, oh, this is a result of sin. That's, that's what I observed. However, I also observed that the coldness that is felt in that time frame resembles the coldness of heart that man's minds and souls are going to right now. You follow what I'm saying? As, a, as I'm observing nature, I'm observing the plan of salvation. I'm thinking about how this plan is impacted by what I'm seeing. When's the last time you went out in nature? And let's say you couldn't go out in nature. Let's say it's just really cold like it is here. When's the last time you turned on the nature channel? Or when's the last time you looked up a, an animal and looked at, 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 at how that creature was created? When's the last time you beheld and saw the goodness of God, even in nature itself? When's the last time you did it? I'm, I'm talking about a practical way. Yeah, I'm talking about a practical way because I'm talking about learning to love God. I'm, I'm going to give you practical things, my friends. Theoretically, I don't even want to come close to that because my life is for real. Like your life is for real. You go through real things. There are, are real dramas that happen in your life. So we don't want theory. We want to be practical. When's the last time you did it? And the thing is, my friends, I was reading a book. I think it was Ministry of Healing. There's a, there's, a, there's a chapter. I think it's the third chapter. I'm not sure which one. But it says, the secret of a life of power for Christ was communion with God and being in nature. That, that was the secret of a life of power with Christ, was communion with God and being in nature. You need to take the time to be in nature. Take the time. You got to do it. Learn about the Milky Way. huh? Learn about the solar system. Learn about the creatures that crawl around in your, in your, in your habitat there. Learn about the things of God through, the, through nature itself. Take time to be in nature. Observe it. I love, I love this other passage in Psalms 33, verse 6 and 9. Go there with me very quickly. In Psalms 33, verses 6 through 9, it says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. So think about this. The word of the Lord speaks, and everything that's in the solar system comes into place. The Lord speaks. And all the plants and all the trees and all the rock formations, all these things come into place by the word of the Lord. Hence, in Eden's perfection was the word. And that word manifested itself through all that was put into that garden, all that was put into the world. So God put himself in his own creation. That's powerful. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9 says, for he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. It stood fast. 
you know, one of the one of the beautiful things about Bible study, and I don't know if you've done this before, but I've done it. I've gone to the book of Revelation and I've used nature as a means of helping me better understand Revelation itself. Have you ever done that? <laughs> you ever go through the book of Revelation and you see the woman standing on the moon and her face is light with the sun and on her head a crown of 12 stars you ever thought well why does the bible spend so much time talking about creation in the book of revelation because creation is instructional it teaches us about god it teaches about us about who he is who is this god who commands and everything stands still you know, I, it, what, what is somebody type in the chat? Somebody type in the chat. What is the speed of light? Type in the chat. If you know the answer to that, type it in the chat. What is the speed of light? Somebody wrote a question. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Roy, 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 Roy typed in there. Uh, saw a fawn in the garden. I've been to Roy's house. Now, Roy, Roy has a beautiful house right in the garden. He said, I saw a fawn in the garden just after it was born and the mother left her newborn baby for almost 48 hours. Can you imagine that? And God kept all its enemies away and kept the baby safe. Amen. Amen. Mercy. Again, observing nature, observing how God protects the nature. So I got a couple of answers here for speed of light. Uh, 299,792, oh, I'm sorry, 299,792,000. 458 miles per second. Okay, I got another answer from Diana, 186,000 miles per second. 186,000 miles per, per second. Can you imagine that light? Oh, that's meters. Somebody put meters. Okay. Oh, that's in meters. Okay, got you, brother. I was about to say because the miles and meters, you know, very good. So think about that, my friends. Who made that light? Who made light speed like that? Imagine this. And, I, and again, this is just us thinking about the greatness of God, because as we talk about him more, the more we learn to love him. Right. So think about this. When Jesus comes, right, when Jesus comes, he's going to come so fast that he's moving faster than light itself, because when he comes, it's a small cloud about the size of a man's hand. And it's going to appear dark at first because he's moving faster than light itself. And as he's moving faster than light, and then all of a sudden when he stops, then the light hits. And then there's, oh, <laughs> we're talking about the glory of God, the power of God. And in nature, we see the awesomeness of who God is. It's amazing. It's amazing, my friends. But let's go a little bit further with this. I want to, I want to take this a tad bit further. And let's see, Thors and Thistles. Now, before I get to Thors and Thistles, I want to pause for a second. Do you know there's a, the, the text that says, I praise thee, O God, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So I, I, we're dealing with nature, right? We're dealing with nature. We're, we observe the solar system. We observe the plant life. We, are, we observe the animals. And then you come and you start dealing with mankind, you start reading about the statistics of what we are made out of, what, what makes us tick, what makes us go. Somebody had to put it together. We didn't randomly make this up. There is a God 
who is intricate and detailed. Now, I put thorns and thistles here, or thistles and thorns. And I want us to go to Genesis 3, verse 17, because when God created everything in the beginning of time, everything was absolutely perfect. There was no mar, no stain, nothing on creation that, cre that had anything that was imperfect. However, sin comes into play. Sin comes into play. Now go with me to, like I said, Genesis chapter 3, and look at this, friends. And it's interesting, and I'm going to share a thought with you that for years has been developing in my mind, and I believe it is a divine thought. A divine thought. Now watch this. In Genesis 3, verse 17, the Bible says, and unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee saying, thou shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Okay. Okay. So here's the thought that came to me from the scripture. The ground was cursed for our sake. Now, if the ground is cursed for our sake, is that good or is it bad? Because when we use the phrase curse, we think of it as a negative terminology, right? Curse is the ground for our sake. Is that good or is that bad? Type in the chat. If the, if the ground is cursed, good or bad? Type it in the chat. It don't have to be in the question and answer. It could be in the chat. Brother Roy says good. Rachel says good. Uh, is it good or bad? If the ground is cursed for our sake, is it good or bad? God said, God says are perfect. Yes, good, good. God's ways are perfect. <laughs> I say good, all right, very good. Good, perfect. So now I, I need you to think with me, friends. Very good. Linda says good. Think, I want you to think. If the ground is cursed for our sake, and you look at this, look at this picture here. You see the picture with the uh, the thorns. Those are thorns right there. Those little prick, that little prickly thing. And these are thistles. These are things that are uncomfortable. The hardships. These are representations of the hardships of life. If perfection is a representation of the character of God, and then the hardships and the prickly things in life are a reflection of the character of God, meaning that. They are designed to awaken us to our danger. You ever, you ever heard about the person that had leprosy? You heard about leprosy? You know how leprosy goes, right? Leprosy, when someone has leprosy, the individual stops feeling, okay? They stop feeling. Their senses are numbed. And if they burn themselves, they don't feel it. If something falls on their foot, if a rock falls on the foot, they don't feel it. So the pain factor is removed and greater harm is done because the pain factor has been removed. You see, the pain factor is a warning mechanism that God has put in place so that we don't suffer the ultimate fate of losing a foot, the ultimate fate of losing our hand, the ultimate fate of losing our soul. Pain is a blessing. That was the divine revelation. Did anybody get that? I used to get used sometimes, friends, 
while we're going through pain, we lose sight of the reality that God still loves. While we're going through the pain, we get mad and we say we want the pain to be removed, not understanding that the pain is a warning sign. It's saying warning, danger. This is a result of sin. Warning, danger. This is the result of sin. And instead of complaining while we're in pain, and it's okay to cry when we're in pain. You understand? Like pain is not designed so we can just laugh <laughs> our way through pain. No, pain is a blessing that is an indicator that something is not right. And praise God that that indicator exists because if there was no indicator, we would just end up in a greater mess. Does that make sense? Is that If that makes sense, say it makes sense. Type it in the chat, say it makes sense. Because I, I in my mind, as I was, as I was rolling through this and I'm and I'm thinking about how is it possible that thorns and thistles are a blessing, these thorns and thistles are designed to make us realize our need and to help us understand we don't want nothing to do with sin. Are you following? This is a blessing. Therefore, I can love God in the midst of my pain. Therefore, I can love God in the midst of my struggle. Therefore, I don't need to turn back on God because my struggle is hard. Thank God in the midst of my pain. Amen, Brother Kevin. I've heard it said. He said, I heard it said that discomfort cultivates character. It sure does. Discomfort cultivates character. In fact, I, I dare say, friends, sometimes... When we're so comfortable, you ever heard of the you ever heard of the uh, the frog analogy? Not that I would want to parlay on that analogy too long, but you know the frog is a cold-blooded creature, and if you put a frog in a pot of water and you have it neutral, and you were to turn it up gradually, that frog would never jump out. It would just stay there because the 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 frog adapts to the climate that it's in. But if you took that frog and you put it in boiling hot water from jump, that frog would just bounce. It'll get out of there right away. It's almost like that in this world where Satan has made it so that we're kind of like these frogs and he's kind of turning up the heat and we're comfortable not realizing that we're in danger, right? We have to have our senses turned on. And by God's grace, pain is not a reason to hate God. Pain is a reason to praise God, letting us know that something isn't right. So Adam and Eve are given uh, results of their struggle. So the Bible says, and Adam said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree, which of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return into the ground, for out of it was thou taken. For dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. Powerful thought. Pain is a blessing. Therefore, I can love God in the midst of my pain. It is a pain is a sign of God's love towards us because it is a warning mechanism. All right, I think we got that point locked in. Let's go a little bit further. So 
God is love. He can be seen throughout all nature. So one of my first practical steps, and I will review the practical steps uh, at the end, but one of the first practical steps I want to challenge you with is go be in nature. Go sit and observe nature. Contemplate God. You know, I, I was reading the book Steps to Christ, and she was saying something like, the, God's love is expressed in every spire of grass. You guys know what a spire? I was going to get a picture of a spire of grass. Because God's love can be seen in a spire of grass. That's that one little thing of grass. How is God's love expressed in a spire of grass? I'm going to challenge you. Next week when we come back, I want to hear if you can think of something. Even now, if you can think of something, how is God's love expressed in a spire of grass? Or how is God's love seen in, in nature itself? How do you see God in the things that are present in the natural world? Think about this for a moment. If I can learn to see nature and see God's love in nature, then everywhere I look, I can see the love of God. That means I must train my mind and my understanding and take it away from the screens per se, right? And spend more time in nature to see what God is trying to express through his creation. That's a practical thing that you and I can do. We can learn to love God through nature. Now, I, I know folks that have moved to the country and do not want to go outside. Like, there's no way they're going to go outside because there are bears out there. <laughs> there's, there's ticks out there. There are snakes out there. There's, there's no way they're going to go outside and observe anything in regards to nature. Baby steps, right? So go exhaust for a little while and then come back. You know what I'm saying? Like take baby steps, go out there and stay a little bit longer the next time. Go out there and observe the next time. Get a, go outside do a nature walk, grab some, some leaves or, or pick some flowers or observe the sunset or, or you, there are so many ways that you can engage in nature. So many ways. And I'm going to encourage you to do it because what's happening to us, friends? What's happening to us? We are observing the news. That's what we're watching. We're watching every, every time they come out, oh, there's a new virus. Now everybody wants to stay inside. Nobody People putting on masks when they go outside, outside their front door. I saw somebody wearing a mask inside their car. We've lost our minds. We're letting, we're letting the information come to us from people that don't know God. We're bombarding ourselves with these things. And I'm not saying don't watch the news. I'm saying don't watch so much. I'm saying stop talking about all the stuff that they're talking about. Behold the man of God. Behold God's love in nature. Behold God in what he's created. And in so doing, you'll find your love coming back for God. You'll find your love coming back for the things that are holy and pure and divine. You'll find your love coming back. But if you're beholding the television, you're beholding the movies, you're beholding the news, you're beholding the social media and the TikToks and the Instagrams and the Facebooks, you are draining your energy, brothers and sisters. You're draining your love that you could be experiencing with your master. My challenge to you is spend more time in nature. We'll go a little bit further with this. Let's go to our next thought. Now, God's love can be seen in scripture. 
in the scripture. So we can see God's love in nature. We take the time to be in nature. We take the time to educate ourselves in nature. We're going to learn to love God and appreciate what he's put before us. Now we're going to look at this idea of seeing God in the scriptures. Now there are some, there are some who study the Bible for the purpose of debate. I'm going to win an argument. I'm going to prove the Sabbath is the seventh day. I'm going to prove that when you die, you go in the grave. There's a place for knowledge in the application of truth. However, and I say this respectfully, I say this respectfully, knowledge will not save you. Even knowledge of the truth, informationally, the knowledge that saves us is the knowledge of the person, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And this is life eternal, Jesus says, that they might know thee, speaking of God, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I.e., the idea is that when I study my Bible, I'm entering into a fellowship with a being, a divine one, one that when I engage with him, my life begins to change from the inside out. And oftentimes this change is imperceptible. It's not something that I could see. Anybody ever work out before? My, this, this week, my friend Glenn started, well, he didn't start it this week, but he started a couple weeks ago, started what would they call a burpee, burpee challenge. I don't know if you guys know what a burpee is, but it's one of those exercises you jump up in the air, then you go down, put your hands on the ground, you kick your legs back, kick legs back forward. And then you jump back up in the air. You do this several times. Now, this is definitely character building exercise. <laughs> the goal is to do 2,000 in one month. So we, we started this burpee challenge. And I remember starting it. Of course, you can do it in different sets. You can do it throughout the day. It's up to you how you want to do it. The goal is just to get it done. And so when I first started doing this burpee challenge, the first day, my body was in rebellion. And I would think that as I was doing this burpee challenge and all the pain that was going through my body, that I was losing massive weight. But when I was done with the burpee challenge, I saw nothing. I saw no change. <laughs> this, no, there was no change the first day. Second day, no change. Third day, didn't see any change, but I started feeling a change. Fourth day, 70 burpees. I got 70 in. I was doing 70 every day. No change or change, but not, not perceptively, not what you saw with your eyes. When you begin to do consistent behavior over time, initially it won't feel any different. It's the same with your relationship with Jesus. The first day you're going to go in there and you're going to be like, okay, I want to make it up in one day. And I've done that too. And you ever exercise and you try to make up all the days you missed in one day. That's a bad idea. Don't do that. Take it from me. Do not, <laughs> do not. Try to make up for all the exercise that you've done, that you haven't done in one day. You will never exercise again for at least three weeks because you exercise all in one day. Okay? As it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. You can't make up for your lack of Bible study time in one day. You have to gradually build your propensity, your strength in this area. Take time. Not for doctrine purposes alone but for fellowship purposes. Bible study is a fellowship. So when you read, read like this. Don't, no, don't read like this. Here it is. And Adam knew Eve's wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man of the Lord. And she again bare her 
his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought. You got nothing from that. You got nothing from that from me reading it to you just now, and you get nothing from just speed reading through your Bible. There, you do not get extra points for reading fast through your Bible in the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't happen. So what do I suggest? Here's what I suggest. This is how I suggest you do it. And Adam knew Eve, his wife. Adam knew Eve. Adam knew Eve. What does it mean, new Eve? Look it up. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. Oh, so new Eve means they had intercourse? Okay. And bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Huh. I wonder why she said that. Huh? Now, as you're reading, you're asking yourself questions. You're not randomly just reading through. You're asking yourself questions. Why did she say that? I've gotten a man of love. Oh, Genesis 3.15, because God said there's going to be someone from her seed that's going to come and crush the head of the serpent. This must be the seed. You follow? You read. You ask questions. You think. You meditate. You take it in. So then you make an application. Here, Eve makes an assumption on the word of God. She makes an assumption on the application of what the word said. And in making an assumption, she misses the mark in how she treats the, the, the privileged son, Cain. Are you following what I'm saying? She misses the mark. She's, she's, she's thinking that this is what the word means. So here's the application for me. I must be careful when I read the word that I may not misapply the word. Hmm? You, see, you see what just happened there? I'm having an interaction with the scriptures. I'm thinking about how they apply to me. And this is not how I'm gonna win a debate with my neighbor. Let me tell you this. God has already won every debate. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But let me tell you what is missing right now. Theoretical assent to information is not what's missing amongst the believers. What's missing amongst the believers is the character of the one they say they love. Thus, when we come into debate with each other, we do not remain in the spirit of Christ. We go into the spirit of the dragon and therefore we must win the argument. That's with our spouse. That's with our church fellow members. Whether a church member is a Democrat, have mercy. Whether a church member is a Republican, have mercy. Neither should be named amongst us. <laughs> We are Christians. We are believers in the most high. And this should have the utmost in our minds and when we are dealing with each other. I'm, I'm hoping that making sense to you, my friends. So in scripture, we can see a manifestation of the character of God, of the love of God. So here's what, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a couple of passages, a couple of passages. 
And this is Exodus chapter 33. Go there very quickly. Exodus chapter 33. And we're looking at verse number 18. Now, you, you're familiar with this passage, Exodus 33. In Exodus chapter 33, it talks about Moses, and he's having an interaction with God. And he's asking to see God, and God's is going to hide Moses behind a rock. In verse 18, it says, I, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said... I will make my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy unto whom I will show mercy. Look at verse 22. And it shall come to pass while my glory passes by that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. Now, what does God declare about himself? What does the word declare about himself? Verse six and seven. And the Lord passed, or chapter 34, Exodus 34, verses six and seven. The Bible says, and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful. What is he, my friends? Merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin this is the character of our god and then the bible says and, and and then it says and by no means clear the guilty visiting iniquity of the fathers upon the children upon the children's children to the third and fourth generations well interesting here's god the declaration of his character he says he's long suffering let me ask you let me ask you let me ask you When's the last time you suffered a long time? Because it says long suffering. The Bible's declaring this about God, that he's long suffering, that he's merciful, that he's kind. Do you believe that? And mind you, you don't have to believe it off top. Listen, if somebody comes to me and tells me, hey, Andre, um, I can help you make a million dollars. Now, I don't know if that person can really help me make a million dollars or not. We haven't spent time enough together to know whether or not he can make me a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like, God's not just going to declare something. You got to believe it. That's not how it works. God says, come, taste and see that I am good. He gives us steps by steps. Like we, we, it's, it's a real relationship. Like, when you meet a girl, you don't just marry her the same day. Now, some people might do that. I would say not. To, I would recommend highly not to do that. But relational-wise, it takes time. And if God is saying that he's long-suffering and kind and gracious, he's not declaring that and you just have to accept it. He's declaring that and then you get to experience it. You get to engage with him. You get to have fellowship with him and it grows and it grows and it grows. Well, how do you have fellowship? You take his word. You take his promises. You see whether or not he fulfills what he says he's going to do. And when he fulfills it, then you know you can trust him. You follow. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's merciful and he's kind. He's long-suffering. Notice what the Bible says in Jonah 4, verse 2. Jonah, the book of Jonah. It's a small little book. We don't normally use it that often, except for when we're preaching on Jonah. Jonah. Chapter 4 and verse 2. And there. Hold on, almost there. Jonah. 
When's the last time you read the book of Jonah? I can relate to Jonah very much so because Jonah, he's like, he's a real guy. He's a real person. And I, I respect his, his troubled experience. In Jonah 4 verse 2, it says, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I, when I was yet in Tarshish, yet in my country? Therefore, I fled before Tarshish. But why? Why did you flee? For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Do you get, do you, do you, do you get what Jonah just said? Jonah's like, I didn't want to preach because you're too kind. I knew you were going to forgive them. <laughs> I knew you were too kind, God. I knew you were too gracious. I knew you were too loving. That's why I didn't want to tell him. That's why I didn't want to come here and preach. Because if I come here and preach, you go back and you change, change what you're going to say. I'm going to look like a false prophet. How selfish could someone be, huh? But here the Bible highlights the graciousness and the goodness of God in a town that was completely anti-God. Powerful. Powerful. Let's go a little bit further. Let's, let's go to Micah. Micah. Micah chapter 7 and verse 18. Micah. Malachi. Micah. Micah chapter 7, verse 18. The Bible says in Micah 7, verse 18, Who is a God like unto thee that parteneth iniquity and passeth by the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth, he delighteth in mercy. He delighteth in mercy. Oh, my friends, I, 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 my heart is overjoyed when I'm, when I'm reading these passages, because who is this talking about? The scripture is enhancing the, the reality of the love of God. That's what's happening. That's what's being stated here. The scripture is enhancing the love of God. It's making it plain to you, my friends, that this is a merciful, loving, gracious God. And guess where I read these from? The Old Testament. <laughs> He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He is a beautiful, awesome, wonderful, caring, loving, patient God. The scriptures declare the love of God. So we see God in nature, right? We see God in scripture being a loving God. But watch this. I'm going to go to another passage here. Watch this now. We also see God in family, family ties. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. I know that my friend Queenette has a beautiful daughter. One of my favorite people in all the world. And I've seen how she dotes on her daughter, how she loves her daughter. I've seen it with my own eyes. Parents loving their children. When you see a parent loving their child, and parents love their children in imperfect ways too. Like I love my daughter. I don't always, I'm not a perfect parent, right? 
But in these imperfections, right, when we are loving our children, this love that you see between uh, family and husband and, and wife or, or brother and sister, this is evidence of a love that God has with us. We don't we don't normally see God like, okay, he wants to take a family selfie. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> he wants to have family dinner. He wants to go on walks with us. Are, are you following the idea that when you, when you see the interactions between healthy relationships or healthy interactions, this is a reflection of the love of the most high. We didn't make that up. Family time. We didn't make that up. He made that up. It's a reflection of him. Think about your, okay, let's do this. Let's do this practical. What is your favorite or most awesome reflection of your family or friend experience? Think about it. Just think of the best, the best experience you've ever had with family or friends. Think of the best one you ever had. Okay, you got it? You got your you got your best one? There might be too many for you to have, but I I have I have a couple. I have a couple of favorite times in my mind where it was good. I enjoy Thanksgivings personally. I do. I I enjoy people coming together. I enjoy everybody laying out the spread and we eating good food and then we're laughing and we're talking, we're reminiscing, we're going back over things. Those good times. Those times in which you're together, even in the world where, where some folks don't always do good things when they get together, but the, the fellowship and the intimacy, you know what that is? It's a reflection of God and his love. Do you see how if you, if you begin to wrap this thought in your mind that you begin to see love everywhere? I see love in nature, whether it's pain or whether it's beautiful, whether it's thorn or thistle, I see I see the glory of God. Whether I look at the sky or whether I look below the sea, I see love and the glory of God. I open my scripture, then what do I see? I see the word of God declaring the love of God. It, when, when I look at family and I see the good interaction within the family, I, what do I see? I see the love of God. Everywhere I look, I can see God's love for us. You just got to train your mind. You got to train your mind. You got to start thinking in this space on purpose, intentionally. Don't let the devils rob you of that time. That's what he'll do it. He'll definitely do it. You give him a space, you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. You know what I'm saying? Like he is a no good rotten scoundrel. He knows the secret to beating him is us beholding Jesus. He knows that. So he's going to create everything possible to distract you from spending time contemplating the love of God. He's going to do that. That is his job. He is called the devil, the adversary, on purpose. Not by accident. So just, just lock it in. How can I see God's love today? Where is the evidence of his love? What can I think on to, to make me, because think about it, my friends, think about this. Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever had your heart broken? Hmm? Have you ever had your heart broken? I have. 
It's not a good feeling. Not at all. You ever been betrayed? Not a good feeling. Not at all. There's one place, my friend. Now, all the other things I share with you, let me just say this off top. All the other things, whether it's you see the love of God in nature, you see the love of God in scripture, you see the love of God in family relation. Now we're talking about seeing the love of God in Christ. Definitely a death in the family will break your heart. No question about it. No, no question about it. Betrayal by friends will break your heart. Unfaithfulness in, in marriage will break, it will break your heart. Watch this. We see the love of God in Christ. Now, my friends, as we are dealing with these verses, I want you to think, because we're coming down, we're almost done. We're coming down to some powerful, powerful points. And I want you to begin to contemplate and ask the Holy Spirit, because I'm not that good at communicating what needs to be communicated for our souls. But the Holy Spirit is perfect at doing what I cannot do. And so let's pray real hard right now as we seek to apply these principles in our hearts. So John chapter 1, verse 18, watch carefully. Watch carefully in John chapter 1, verse 18. Notice what the Bible says in John chapter 1, in verse 18, the Bible says very, very, very clearly, no man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he hath declared him. Understand what the text just said. There is no mortal that has seen God at any time. No mortal on planet earth that has seen the most high, God the father. No one has seen him at any time but the son. And the son comes from the bosom of the father to declare the father. Now, friends, this is where I, we got to stop and think for a moment. What do you mean he comes from the bosom of the father? You remember the story? Um, Jesus is at the table with the 12 disciples. And John, the gospel writer, never says his name like in the book. He just says the disciple whom Jesus loved. And in that passage, one of the places he says, and the, the disciple who Jesus loved was laying in his bosom. We're talking about a grown man. <laughs> laying in the bosom of Christ, meaning he's right here, man. He's close. He's close. In the bosom of the father. In the bosom of the father. Jesus comes from the bosom of the Father, from the closeness of the Father. And knowing God like no one else has ever known God, he comes to represent God to you and I. And when you see Jesus, you see the Father. Go, go, go with me. Matthew, Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Look at this, friends. Look at this. Matthew chapter 11. And we're looking, looking at verse 27. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 27, the Bible says, all things are delivered unto me of my father. Interesting. 
and no man knoweth the Son, but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. Interesting. And, to, and he to whomever the Son will reveal him. Interesting. So you and I cannot just know the Father without the Son revealing the Father. And the Father revealing the Son. The person of Jesus is a reflection of the Father himself. Every time you see Jesus heal somebody, that's the Father. Every time you see little children coming on the knee of Jesus and he talking with them and playing with them and the little ogre, at the little, I was going to say the ogre Adventist. <laughs> the, grumpy, the grumpy disciples come over and say, hey, leave Jesus alone. No, Jesus, he's cool with the kids too. You, you follow what I'm saying? Jesus is such. Here's what I would suggest. You and I have a faint view of the reality of who God is, even after the many years of us being in the church. I say you and I, you know, I'm not putting myself outside of it. I'm saying you and I. I'm saying there has to be a revelation, not just an intellectual assent to, but a revelation that the Father and the Son reveal to us the majesty of the character of the person that we read about in the scriptures. When that is revealed to us, my friends, then we become more like him. It's not something that I, quote unquote, made myself become. It's more because I beheld him, I became. I beheld, I became. Brother Roy put in the chat, we see the love of Christ in the story about Jesus being a servant to his disciples, including those who were going to deny him. Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. That's right, brother. Even when he knew the betrayer himself, he still washed his feet. That's love. I often ask myself the question, as I go through my trials and tribulations that I presently go through, am I really reflecting Christ as I'm going through my trouble and trial? Or am I bemoaning my trouble and trial so much that I'm worshiping my pain instead of worshiping the God who's guiding me through my pain? Now you follow what I'm saying? Am I bemoaning the fact that I don't have this or I don't have that or am I bemoaning the fact that there that this person didn't treat me right or that am I and, and mind you my friends it's okay to cry when somebody does you wrong it's it's actually perfectly natural to grieve when you've been done wrongly however you're not grieving alone that's the beautiful part <laughs> he's there with you in your grief that's the love of God. He's there with you in your sorrow. And mind you, I know most people don't think, think like this or want to talk like this. Christ is with us even when we are doing dirt. I don't think anybody heard me. I think everybody's become so holy and sanctified that they don't, re they don't remember what it was like to be in the dirt. That's why it's so easy to condemn and talk bad about those who have fallen off or who are falling off instead of being in tears and in agony over the soul that's off. Because we've lost 
perspective. We've lost understanding of the great love that God has for his children. We've lost it. And I understand why. Because we're looking at everybody, we're looking at every pope, we're looking at every Jesuit, we're looking at every apostate teacher, we're looking at every even good teacher. We're looking at everybody else but the one who can change us from the inside out. The knowledge of God is a revelation. The knowledge of Jesus is a revelation of the person of God and the love of God. John chapter 14. John 14. Look at this. John 14. I didn't realize I was going to be talking this long. So let me try to wrap this up. John chapter 14. Look at, let's look at verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. <laughs> Jesus said unto him, have I been so, so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen who, my friends? have seen the father. And how says thou then show us the father? So when you see Jesus, and I'm gonna make sure you get this locked in. When you see Jesus, God is in Christ reconciling us to him. When you see Jesus, you see the father. When you see Jesus heal, you see the father. When you see Jesus forgive the adulteress, you see the father. When you see Jesus, you see the father. You see love in action. You see love in action, friends. You see, there's the principle that says, by beholding, we become changed. And I want to make sure I, I, I want to make sure you get this locked in. If you are spending the majority of your time observing the signs of the time. And I'm not saying you shouldn't observe the signs of the time. You should know what time it is. But in your observance of the signs of the times, you lose sight of the sign in the person of Jesus. You will be lost. I don't care how much you sacrifice in your vegetarian diet. I don't care how much you dress a certain way. I don't care how many times you've gone to church. If you don't see the person of Jesus, and if you're not in love with Jesus, you are doing yourself a disservice. Who is Jesus, my friends? Who is Jesus to you? When you see Jesus, you see the Father. You see the love of God, and you behold him, and you become more like him. Stop wasting your time beholding the imperfections in your spouse. Stop wasting your time. Stop wasting your time observing the imperfections of the body of Christ. Stop wasting your time. Stop wasting your time arguing between being a Democrat or Republican or saying that you're an independent, but still in the spirit of this quagmire of foolishness. Stop wasting your time. I say, take advantage of the time that we have to spend time learning about as my friend McNeil just said, Jesus, who's all together lovely. All together lovely. What is Jesus doing? <laughs> what is Jesus saying? 
how would Jesus respond now? And my friends, it's going to get to a point where we won't even be asking the question how he respond. It's going to get to the point where it's going to, we're going to respond the way Jesus responds because we spend so, so much time with Jesus, it is natural to respond. natural to respond in the way he would but don't beat yourself up right now because you're not there yet and i'm not there yet don't beat yourself right now he's already he knows you're not there <laughs> he knows i'm not there one of the things i've made sure of in my walk and i'm 100 honest with the most high and even when i think i'm 100 honest with the most high i know there's something else in me that's not 100 honest percent with god and i'm just like lord i'm not where i need to be please help me more time with Jesus, more time with him. And he begins to reveal and explain and show, and we have fellowship and we grow. That's why I wanted to, this whole series, my friends, we're going to be drawing closer to Christ. That is the point of all of it. Every time we study, draw closer. How can I remove the, the things that are separating me from him? Draw closer to him. That's what I want. That's what you want. That's what we want. Draw closer. All right, time is fleeting. I do have a few more things I want to share with you, and then we're going to move on. Broken heart. I want to read these to you because I've experienced brokenheartedness. And it's not nice. It's not, it's not. I don't know if you ever had this experience where you cried. Then you cried from everything that was within you. Now, I'm not talking about a tear only. I'm talking about like from deep down. It's like a wail of a cry. I mean, I want to tell you that it's only happened to me twice. Both times, the Most High drew near. Oh, both times the Most High drew near to heal. Now watch these. I'm gonna read these verses to you, friends. And watch, watch these verses. You you're gonna go 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 with me to the Book of Psalms. Watch these verses. Watch them, my friends. Watch them. Take them in. Meditate on them. Keep them for yourself. Psalm 69. Watch this. It says Psalm 69 verse 20. It says, "Reproach." have broken my heart. Reproach have broken my heart and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. You, I, when you read this, you're thinking this is talking about David. Yes, David's writing this, but this is talking about Christ himself. He died of a broken heart. What is reproach? Reproach is sin. What is sin? Sin is a breaking of God's law. But what's God's law about? Relationship to God and relationship to man is very practical. So he died of a heart that's broken because relationships were broken. That's why Jesus died. Broken relationship. But my friends, it doesn't stop here. You say reproach have broken my heart and I am full of heaviness. Oh, my friends, I praise God that he does not leave us in that state. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah, I mean, Psalms 51, verse 17, it says, 
The sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. Listen, in other words, he's drawn to your brokenness because what is he? He's drawn to heal. That's what he does. That's what he does. He gets excited about it. He draw, I'm going to draw near to heal. That's his job. That's what he loves to do. That's why when the woman touched the hem of his garment, he couldn't help but release his love energy to her. <laughs> and in that moment, she's healed. He says, who touched me? You see, she was a broken. And God is drawn to our brokenness because he's always ready to heal. We're talking about the love of God being manifested in the person of Christ. Psalms 147, I thought this was an amazing passage. Psalms 147, look at verse number three. The Bible says, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. This is the love of God manifested to us. I read it again. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Do you believe that? You got to believe that. You got to take that word. You got you to go to him with your brokenness. Don't act like you're not broken. See, that's the thing. We act like we're not broken. We make all these outward reforms. And then we go around breaking other people because we're still broken. Broken people break people. You got to take your brokenness, take it to the most high, and let him do his work in you. I hope you hear me. Hope it's, I hope it's resonating with you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. He came to reconcile us to himself. Now, I want to read this to you, and we need to finish. This is from the book Steps to Christ, and we're going to finish with several passages from the book Steps to Christ. I think it's three passages, and I want you to walk away with hope, my friends. The Bible says, or not the Bible, steps to Christ says, Jesus said, therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again, John 10, 17. That is, my father has so loved you that he even loves me more for giving my life to redeem you in becoming your substitute and surety by surrendering my life, by taking your liabilities, your transgressions, I am endeared to my father, for by my sacrifice, God can be just, and yet the justifier of him who believeth in Jesus. That's a mouthful. I wish I could take more time to unpack it, but listen. God had a quandary, if you could say he had a quandary. How do I save man and still deal with sin? How do I separate sin? from the sinner because i love the sinner i love the broken i'm here for them they need to know how much i care and god manifests himself in flesh comes and bears our burden jesus manifests a perfect life <laughs> now watch watch in fact let me before i try let me just read the next one and then I will, I will make the point even more clear. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
He gave him not only to live among men, to bear their sins and die their sacrifice. See the three things? See the three things? He gave him not only to live among men, to bear their sins. So he gave him to live, bear their sins, and to die for the sacrifice. He gave him to the fallen race. What do you mean? That means when Jesus, when the word became flesh, he became humanity. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. God gave him to us in its completeness. Now, you know, friends, I've read this passage in the book Desire of Ages many times, but for some reason, I had never really keyed in on it in the book Steps to Christ. I missed it. I don't know how I missed it. Maybe I was just reading really fast. He gave him not only to live among men, to bear their sins and die for, for die their sacrifice. He gave him to the fallen race. Christ was to identify himself with the interests and needs of humanity. What are your interests? What are your needs? He who was one with God has linked himself with the children of men by ties that are never to be broken, never broken. <laughs> Jesus is not ashamed to call them brethren. He's one of us. He feels our pain. He knows our sorrows. He is able to help us. Do you think he can help you? I know he can. I know he can. I know he can help you. I know that he helps me. Everywhere you look, whether nature, whether scripture, whether family ties, or whether the person of Christ, you see the love of God. Notice this. Notice this. He is our sacrifice, our advocate, our brother, bearing our human form before the Father's throne and through eternal ages, one with the race he has redeemed, the son of man. And watch this, my friends. And all this that man might be uplifted from the ruin and degradation of sin. Now, let me, let me again, let me emphasize what sin is. Sin is the transgression of the law. But what is the law? If you break it down even further, the law is the relationship between God and the relationship between man. Sin breaks up relationships. That's what it does. We start, we start making it complicated. It's not that complicated. Whatever I do in my life, am I, is this bringing me closer to God? And is this bringing me closer to my brother and sister? That's the question. That's it. That's the question. Is it bringing me closer to God? Is it bringing me closer to my brother and sister? If it's causing degradation, if it's causing separation outside of his instruction, then I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that in my life. I don't want that type of pain. I don't want that type of struggle. I don't want that type of sorrow. I don't want it. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Mercy. 
Such love is without parallel. Listen, friends, such love is without parallel. Children of the heavenly king, precious promise, theme for the most profound meditation, the matchless love of God for a world that did not love him. Please replace the world, the word world and put your name for Andre that did not love him. The matchless love of God for Andre that did not love him. The thought has a subduing power upon the soul and brings the mind into captivity to the will of God. The more we study the divine character in light of the cross, the more we see mercy, tenderness, and forgiveness blended with equity and justice. And the more clearly we discern innumerable evidences of a love that is infinite and a tender pity surpassing a mother's yearning sympathy for her wayward child. Do you see how she just did that? Do you see what she just did? She just equated or exalted the mother's yearning for a wayward child and then exalted God's love above that. You see how she used family ties to explain the love of God. What is the thing that you love? Who are the people that you love? Who Think about that and then times that by 100,000 in regards to how God loves you and how God loves me. Think about that, my friends, when you're struggling and you're fighting and you find yourself in the deep darkness of sin and you feel like you want to give up. Think about this love of God. I'm telling you, the devil is not a joke. He is trying to go for the juggler. And the juggler is you, 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 you give up on God's love. You give up on his person. You give up on his word. You give up on what he's already revealed to you and delivered you from. And he gives you to give up. He wins. But I tell you today, my friends, there's no need for that that rascal, that 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 evil one to win, because we have a friend. His name is Jesus. He is paid for the transgression that causes separation, and in him paying, now he is healing, and in that healing, he is restoring, and units of families can be restored. Nature itself can be restored. Relation with God being reconciled back to him can be done as we behold the person of Jesus. He's the one that teaches us how to have relations. He's the one that teaches us how to do it. We can't do it. It's not natural. I can't do it. It's not natural. He must reveal himself. And we must allow him to do in us what we can never, ever, ever do ourselves. Now, my friends, time is up. We're all done. I want to give you four things to, to do practically. Four practical steps. And you can take a, a screenshot of this. It's going to be in the PowerPoints. Again, the PowerPoints are going to be delivered to you on Sunday morning, along with the lesson guide. I want to give you four practical steps to take. Again, there's no limit to you applying these. Practical step number one. Practical step number one. List at least five things in nature you admire. Go to nature. Sit down in nature. Write it down. Journal. 
Get used to journaling. Write it down. Five things in nature that you admire. And remember that when you admire those things, it's the expression of God's love back to you. Practical step number two. This five stories or passages from the Bible that express the love of God to you most deeply. Right? Five stories or passages that you think about them and you're like, man, the woman caught in adultery, that's a powerful one. Or, or man, Peter walking on water, that's a powerful one. Sit down and write it down and, and make it plain and think about it, meditate on it. These stories that move you most deeply. Practical step number three. List at least five things in as his in family, let's just say that family does, that express love and means most to you. What is the thing that family does that you're like, man, I love when my family, I don't know, they, we all eat together. and we're, Or I love when my family, we all sing songs together. Or I love when we go on family trips. Or I love when my, my, my spouse holds my hand. Or whatever it is, list them, write them down. What are the five things that you see in your family that you love that's the expression of love? And remember, when you see those things, that is actually an expression of God's love. Practical step number four, list at least five, it says stories, it should say, it should say stories, five stories of Jesus that express love most deeply to you. What are those five stories? What is it that you love about Jesus? Let me tell you something. When you begin to talk more about the things that you love, the more the love grows. The more you express it, the more it grows. When you don't express it, it doesn't grow. So if you only go to church and you wait to sing songs at church, your spirituality is going to die. But if you're singing songs throughout the week about God and his love, it's going to grow. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, I'm giving you practical things that you could do to grow and learn in your relationship with God. If you do these things, it will blossom. It will grow, it will develop, and others will begin to see it. This is very practical. Very practical. If this makes sense, just type in the chat. Andre, this makes sense. If you're sleeping, just type, Andre, I'm sleeping. But you can't type, I'm sleeping if you're asleep. <laughs> right? So if this makes sense, just type in, makes sense, Andre. Type it in the chat. Makes sense. It makes sense. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Damien. Thank you, Luke. Makes sense. Thank you, Rachel. And you do this, my friends, your relationship will grow. It's not complicated. I think we make this so complicated. It's not complicated at all. Take the time. Take the time. Excellent. Excellent, Asia. Excellent, Roy. Excellent. Take the time to be in nature. Take the time to express those stories. Wonderful, Carolyn. Wonderful, Glenda. Review those Bible stories. Review that family experience. Wonderful, Roger. Take that time to look at the life of Christ. Sister Q. Amen, Sister Q. And as you do it, your love relationship will grow. That's the whole object of this, my friends. We just want to grow in our love relationship with God. That's it. That's it. Are there any questions? Any questions? If you have a question, I will acknowledge you. Just raise your hand, and then I'll make you part of the panel. You can ask your question. Are there any questions before we jump off the line tonight?
Wonderful. Doesn't look like there are any questions. How do we meditate on nature? Is that, is that the question, Diana? Yeah, so this is how you do it. You go out there, if you, if, for me, it's super cold right now. So for me, we have a sunroom. And in that sunroom, I go, I'll go out there with my Bible and I'll sit there. And I'll look at, I'll look outside and I'll take note of what I'm seeing. And so for instance, let's say right now it's snow outside. And what's the Bible verse that connects with snow? So you go to Isaiah chapter one, and then you look at, I think it's like verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And I, I sit there and start thinking about being clean like snow. And the other thing about snow that's interesting is you, if you sit and observe and watch it, it's easy to see when snow is dirty. Right? It's easy to see when something's not clean. So I'll sit there and think about being unclean and how, how can I preserve my purity? You know, like that's how you start thinking about it. You start thinking about it in the context of what it naturally does first. What is snow? Well, snow is actually a dirt molecule that starts in the sky and then it collects precipitation and it begins to fall to the ground. So you, you start thinking about it. You start figuring out how the science of it works. And then as you do that, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to your mind. And you start having applications that you normally would never have the application for. So, I, so when, you're, when you're in nature, you may have some quiet music going. You might have your Bible. You're watching. You're observing how things function. And as you're watching and observing how things function, you ask the Lord, how does this apply in my spiritual walk? Okay? How does this apply in my family? How does this apply in my devotional? And as you're asking the question, your mind and the Holy Ghost begin to work together to provide an answer. You just have to discipline yourself to go do it as frequently as you can. Does that make sense, Diana? I'm going to assume that the answer is yes. <laughs> awesome. Great. I'm glad that makes sense. All right. Perfect. All right, my friends, if there are no other questions, uh, we're going to end with a word of prayer and ask God to be with us as we enter in and continue in um, fellowship with him. Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for your grace and mercy. We want to thank you, Lord, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. Father, we are we're broken. Um, we don't really know how to see you or understand you. Sometimes as we are reading your love language, we interpret it as something completely different. Lord, teach us, reveal to us in all phases of our experience, your love. Lord, you're not, you're not forcing us to have a relationship with you, but you definitely are inviting us to. So teach us how to love you. Help us to take what we've learned tonight, apply it, Help us to grow in love with you. Thank you, Father, for all that have attended tonight. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and we claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. Amen. Hey, blessings, family. So next Friday, uh, same time, look out for the lesson, guys, and the, and the PowerPoints on Sunday morning.
review everything, my friends, and take the time to be with Jesus. And I know that as you as you do that, God will strengthen your your love for him in this crazy, crazy world. Crazy world. Amen. God bless you, Rachel. God bless you, Asia. God bless you, Luke. God bless you, Glenda. God bless you, V. God, God bless you, Brother Roy. Sister Q, much love. God bless you. You guys have a wonderful night. This concludes another episode of The Gospelpreneur. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends so we can all grow together. Until next time, be the abundance and be blessed.